Well, good morning, everyone. Anybody glad to be at church today? It is so good to see you. If you're a guest, my name is Jared Ming. I'm the lead pastor here at Higher Vision Church. I want to welcome our online campus. We have people in Santa Barbara, Fiji, Latvia, Great Britain, um, Laskov, um, Seattle, Bakersfield, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Can we welcome our online campus? People around the world are joining us today. Isn't that great? Amen. Will you turn in your Bibles, your phones, your iPads, wherever you're getting your scripture. If you didn't bring a Bible or don't have a Bible app, we're going to put it on the screen for you. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. As you're turning there, I want to ask the ushers to come. A few weeks away is an exciting event. It's an outreach that we do here at Higher Vision called Church at the Movies. How many remember last year? It was an incredible time. We had hundreds of visitors we had hundreds of people find Christ. We show parts of movies. We share scripture. It's incredible. In fact, we give away popcorn. Everybody gets popcorn. There's soda. You can buy candy. It's incredible. One of my favorite parts was as soon as the movie started or the sermon slash movie started, all I could hear was munching of popcorn throughout the auditorium. Remember that? So listen, it's a great outreach event. And maybe you're here and you're like, what is that all about? Well, let me tell you something. It really is incredible. And it is something that will impact your life. So we do something. Take five, ten tickets. The ushers are going to begin to pass them around. Take as many as you need. We want to get out into the community. It's the second, third, and fourth weekend of September, all right? It's going to be incredible. So take some tickets. Start inviting your friends. Start inviting your enemies. Start inviting everybody you know because we truly believe that God is going to do something wonderful at church at the movies. You know, in a moment, I'm going to have you stand as we continue in this series. I've been in a series called Colossal. You know, the Colossus, you saw me on the Twisted Colossus on the video clip a moment ago. That um, original roller coaster was unveiled in 1978, and it was considered at the time the largest roller coaster in the world. The word colossal means big or significant. And as we've been studying through the book of Colossians, how many have figured out that God has something pretty significant to say to us as followers of Christ? So we've been learning some great things. We have two weeks left, this week and next weekend, and we'll finish out the entire book of Colossians. And I'm excited about that. And you know, as you're turning in your Bibles, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, it reminded me of a story that I wanted to tell you, a little uh, funny joke that I heard about this um, young woman who was bringing her fiancé home to meet her father and mother. When they got there, the father took her fiancé to the side, sat him down, and said, uh, young man, tell me a little bit about yourself. He said, well, sir, I want you to know that I am a Bible scholar. He said, wow, that's really great. He said, but I have a question for you. How are you going to provide for my daughter? He said, sir, I'm going to study the Bible, and God will provide. He said, well, what are you going to do when you need to get that engagement ring for her? How are you going to pay for that? He said, well, sir, I'm going to do my studies, and God will provide. He said, well, what about when you have kids, and you need to provide for their needs? How are you going to take care of that? He said, I'm confident that God will provide. Well, he went home, and his wife said, how did the meeting go with you know, our daughter's fiance? He said, not good at all. He said, first of all, he has no job. Second of all, he has no plan. And thirdly, he thinks I'm God. Okay. <laughs> Let's stand to our feet. 
Any father-in-laws out there say amen? Okay. <laughs> We're going to read this passage together. I want you to lift your voice. Those of you who are joining us online, wherever you are around the world, why don't you stand right there in your home or wherever you are, and let's proclaim the Word of God together. It's so good to see you all in this nice air-conditioned room. Amen? Praise God for air conditioning. Let's dive in. You ready? Let's read this together. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you have died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You know, today I want to say a word of prayer, but before I do that, you know, we've learned that God is changing our perspective. And if you want to catch up on the series, you can go to higherevisionchurch.com and you can listen to chapter one, chapter two. And, but in the last few weeks, we've realized that God is wanting to shift our perspective, to have a heavenly perspective, to think from an eternal view, not just an earthly view and mindset. And we've learned about how he's talked to us about certain things like sexuality, having God's and heavenly's, heaven's perspective on that. We've learned about how he's talked to us about how we talk, the things that come out of our mouth. We've learned about last week relationships and the foundation of those being not walking in offense and being people of forgiveness. And we're going to continue that theme today. I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you and we welcome you this morning. And we say, have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Lord, I pray that I would decrease my voice would get quieter and somehow the voice of God would increase and get bolder and louder. And then we would walk out of this room or turn off our computer knowing not that we heard a good story or a great verse or a good sermon, but that we have heard the voice of God. God, help us to look up. Help us to change our perspective and to live life from the way you see the calling and purpose that you've given each of us. So say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Now take a moment to quietly just open your heart and welcome his presence, his spirit, and have his way in you. Will you do that? Say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Somebody shout amen. Amen. You may be seated today. We're going to finish up chapter 3 today and get into chapter 4, verse 1. And then next week, we're going to conclude with chapter 4. And we're going to talk a little bit about prayer. In fact, I'm kind of excited because I think I might have worked it out to interview my father in the services, all three services next week. He's going to be here with us. And we're going to talk about prayer. I grew up with a heritage of prayer. My father was praying every morning. My mom was praying every afternoon. And so we're going to talk a little bit about prayer because that's what the passage teaches us. But I want to talk to you today, and here's the bumper sticker for the weekend. You ready? This is the big bumper sticker to walk away with. It's simply this. God wants us to have a heavenly perspective about submission. 
Now, I know that when I say that word, there might be certain things that come into your mind. You know that that could be a sensitive issue for some. And I mean, know that sometimes when it comes to the word of God, that people have taken the word and they've kind of twisted it and manipulated it. They've, we've seen that with teaching on giving and money. We've seen that with teaching on other things. Today, I just want you to open your heart to hear what God's perspective is about submission. You see, we've been learning that he wants to change our perspective. And last week, we learned he wants to change our perspective about relationships. And this week, as we continue on with that idea, he dives into specific relationships that we see in our culture. We see relationships in the home. We see relationships on the job. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to start, and instead of reading all of chapter 3, verse 18 through 4, verse 1, we're just going to kind of take each section, and we're going to dive into this concept of a heavenly perspective on submission, all right? So let's begin. The first one, as we read, here's the first relationship that God says, I want you to think about this concept of submission. And that is the relationship between, you ready? Husbands and wives. Let's read what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Simply says, wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Now, before, men, you get too excited about that verse, um, let's go back to the parallel passage in Ephesians. Because it's interesting, when Paul talks about this concept of submission in the home, in, in Ephesians, he begins with this. And Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, begins by simply saying this, submit to one another out of reverence for the Lord. And then he goes in and begins to talk about submission, wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives. The point I want to make as we dive into this subject before maybe there's some concern or maybe you're a little bit uncertain about the topic, especially from the wife perspective, understand something that the Bible teaches us that all of us are to be people who are in submission. In submission. In fact, the Bible teaches us not only that, yes, the man is considered the head of the home, the Bible teaches us also that we're to submit to one another. Husbands and wives submit to one another as we submit to the Lord. Now, let me just say as your pastor, sometimes when I'm teaching, I get to just love on you. I get to pat you on the back and tell you how great you are and share with you the grace. Anybody thankful for the grace of God? Last week, the Lord gave me that word about how he believes in us. Isn't that great when God gives us that? But how many know sometimes as a pastor, I have to challenge, have to inspire? And so tonight, I'm not, or today, I'm not teaching you anything that's coming from me. I'm teaching you what the scriptures, what God's perspective is about a concept called submission. You're going to realize it's not just to be between a husband and a wife, but it's for all of our relationships. So I want to dive into what it means, because I think we, it gets lost in translation. So let's take a look at the word submission. We see that the Bible says submit to one another. In a marriage relationship, there should be mutual submission between the husband and the wife. However, the husband is considered the head of the home. And sometimes when there's not agreement, there has to be someone who makes the final call. As the pastor, as the lead pastor and founding pastor of this church, God has placed me in that position 
There are times where as a staff, we don't exactly agree on how we're supposed to do something, but God has placed me in a position to make a final call at times. And so what does it mean to submit to one another in marriage? What does it mean to walk in submission? Well, let me show you what the word submission means in this verse, Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Simply says this, to submit means, according to the Greek, to put under or to arrange under delegated authority. In fact, I'm going to make it real simple. Here's what submission is. How many here have ever heard of a submarine? What does a submarine do? It goes under the surface. So the word submission means sub, go under, and what's the next word? Mission. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know each of us have been given a mission from God? If you are a husband, you have a mission God has called you to for your family, for uh, the world, for his kingdom. If you're a wife, you have a mission. If you're single, you have a mission. So what submission simply means is that we surrender our mission or we bring the mission we've been given underneath the delegated authority that God has appointed. Some of you say, well, that's really cool, Pastor Jared, but what does that really mean? Now, let me just say, when it says wives submit to the husband, it's not meaning that the husband can order the wife around and tell her what to do, and it's not what the, this, this really is talking about. And when we talk about submission in other settings, it's not talking about being ordered around and necessarily following some list. Here's what it really means. It means that you and I, all of us, are called to be people of submission and that we're to call and bring our mission under the delegated authority of God of spiritual leadership, of government, of wherever we see in the scripture, God has put us under delegated authority. So it's learning how. In fact, here's the question I want to ask. What does submission look like in the home, in marriage? What does submission really look like? What does it really mean? Well, I think this is the best way to describe it. And it's simply asking this question. If you're a husband, if you're a wife, you ready? Here's what it is. How can I help serve the mission of my spouse? That's what submission is. How can I help serve the mission of my spouse? In other words, how can I bring my mission from being priority above every other thing to learning how to place that under and serve the mission of those who God has placed in my life? If you're a husband, God's called you to serve the mission of your wife. If you're a wife, God's called you to serve the mission of your husband. You all with me? Say amen. Now, what does that really mean in marriage? Well, let me give you what I think an example of that could mean. Let's think of it a different way. How can I not just serve their mission? Let's, let's think of it this way. How can I meet their needs? It's kind of what submission is. How can I meet the needs of my spouse? Well, if we're going to do that, why don't I give you a list of some needs that men have and some needs that women have? How about we do that? All right, so let's dive into that for a second. And let me just say, if you're a man and you're all excited because you've been made the head of the home, all right, let me just tell you that the Bible says that you're to love your wife, right, and in and, and Ephesians, it says this, you're to love your wives, wives submit to the husband, but then it says, and husband love the wife 
as Christ loved the church. And what did Christ do? He gave his life for the church. He laid down his life. So honestly, if you read through the Bible, God puts more responsibility in the hands of the man. There's more required of the man than there is even for the woman when it comes to a loving, healthy, submissive, mutually relationship. You all with me? So men, how do you lay down your, wife, your life for your wife? Or let me say it this way, how do you meet her needs? So let's find out what, what women's needs are. I'm going to give you three needs of women, all right? Okay, is that with, everybody with me? Say amen. amen. Here are three needs that women have. Now women, when you hear this, you may not agree at first, all right? But I want you to hear me out, all right? Here is the first need of women. Communication. They started communicating as soon as I said it. Did you hear them? Communication. They want to know what's going on. I'm going to help the men right now. Here's how I'm going to help you men to communicate more. I'm going to help you to communicate more by removing two words from your vocabulary. You ready? Somebody said, that doesn't make sense. How can I communicate more with removing two words? Well, here's the first one. When you get home from your day or she gets home from her day or however it works and you see each other and she says, how did your day go? Erase the word fine. (laughs) Or here's another one. What are you thinking? Erase the word nothing. The point is, is she wants to communicate, not just her talk to you. She wants you to talk to her. And let me tell you, that's a need that she has. She will not be fulfilled if she doesn't have the ability to communicate with you and know what's going on in here and what's going on in here. We know that it's been proven that, what, women speak twice as many words every day as a man. How many know that that's been proven? And you know why that's the case? I heard this, my wife shared it with me the other day, it was on Pinterest, and that's simply this. <laughs> Women speak twice as many words as men because they have to tell men too many t- or twice as many times because they're not listening the first time. <laughs> Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? James, I'm getting all the men mad at me right now, they're all... The point I want to simply make is this, listen. God wants you as a husband to help meet the need to serve the mission of your spouse. And your spouse needs communication. That's how you can lay your life down. I know for some of you, that's really laying your life down. You know the second need of women? Let me tell you another need of women. Leadership. Women need leadership. Now, women, before you tune me off, let me just say, women need leadership in three areas. Here's one of the areas. They need spiritual leadership. There's a lot of women that we, that, that we know of as pastors that are waiting, that come to Bible studies, that come to groups, that come to church, and they're waiting for their spouse, their husband, to stand up and bring spiritual leadership into the home. 
They don't want to be the one that has to make everybody go to church. They don't want to be the one that has to take care of, you know, making sure that the kids understand right and wrong. They want spiritual leadership. And if you're called to be the head of the home, let me tell you something. One of the ways you lay down your life for your family and for your wife is you walk in mutual submission. You serve the mission of your spouse. You meet the need of your spouse. And your spouse needs spiritual leadership. Somebody say amen. You know, another thing in leadership that women need, they need leadership not only spiritually, they need leadership with the kids. The mission of the couple is to raise. We, I preached on this recently, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. God has called you to raise up children to hit their target, to fulfill their calling, their purpose in life. But that's the responsibility of the husband and the wife. And unfortunately, men feel like, especially if they have more of a traditional model where they're providing and the wife is taking care of the family and has more time at home, they leave it all in the hands of the spouse. But I want to tell you something. Women need spiritual leadership. They need you to stand up and lead at home, to help with the discipline, to take care of issues with the kids, to use the authority that you have, the strength you have, to bring leadership in the home. Women need leadership there. You know what also women need leadership in? Romance. They don't only want to be the one that's romantic. You know what? Some of you are like, you just started speaking in another language, Pastor Jared. I, no hable inglés. So what? what <laughs> ro what? Romance. I, what, what, what is that? I, I don't, a lot of men, they let me just explain real quick. I'm going to hit this and move on. But let me tell you what romance is. Or here's a, a man way of thinking of romance. You ready? Meeting a need before they ask. You're walking through the mall. She looks over and says, wow, that lamp is really sweet. That looks cool. That's nice. And then the next day, you go and get it and bring it home. And she never asks. Why? Because you're thinking of her, you're meeting a need before she asks. Or maybe the need is that you haven't gone out and spent any time together for a long time. And rather than her having to tell you, we need to go on a date, you meet a need before it's asked. You see, women are looking for leadership. So women need communication. Women need leadership. And here's the last one. Women need security. We're talking about submission here. Serving someone else's mission, serving the mission, meeting the needs of your spouse. You see, what your spouse needs, what your wife needs is the security to know that they're not going to have to worry about whether you're going to be around or not if things get bad. They need the security to know that if things get tough at home, you're not going to bail and take off. Or or they need to know that when it comes to taking care of bills and issues, you're going to work hard and do what you have to do to help provide for the family. Women are looking for security. You see, you and I are called to submission, and submission is meeting the needs of others. So now, women, I know that it's, it's good that we're talking about you, but let's talk about the men for a minute. How many know that men have needs too? And all the men said amen. All right, so let's talk about what men need. You ready? Here we go. Number one, the first thing that men need, and this one's going to surprise you, companionship. What do you mean by that? Well, did you know that this is funny? There was only one thing that when God created everything, he said it was not good when he created it. Remember, he said, let there be light, and it was good. He created the earth, and he said it was good. And then the Bible says he created man, and he said it was not good. 
The women really like that. I don't know why. But here's what he actually said. He said, he created man, and then he said, and it's not good that he be alone. So I will make a companion for him. Now, a helpmate. The word helpmate really means companion. Here's the thing. Women, let me tell you something. Men like to play. They like to play poker. They like to play golf. They like to watch sports. They like to play sports that they can't play anymore, but they think they can. (laughs) Men like to play. God created woman so that man could have a playmate. So then if you're trying to serve the mission and meet the need, maybe you need to loosen up a little bit on them having the freedom to play and not be mad because they want to play cards or they want to play golf. Now, obviously, there's balance and being in the home and not always being gone and all of that. I understand that. Maybe even God wants you to learn how to play golf or poker or whatever so that There's companionship. Because sometimes women think the only way to have companionship is for a guy to watch a chick flick. And all the men said, amen. (laughs) Men need companionship. You know the second thing? This one's one's self-explanatory. Men need sex. And all the men said, amen. Amen. I'm not going to use any examples on this one. We're just going to keep on going right now. (laughs) Number three, and this one is going to surprise you, but I believe, and don't put it up yet, guys, this one is the number one need of men. The number one need of men, and it's simply this. Men need respect. There's nothing more damaging to a marital relationship than for a spouse, for a wife, to get together with her friends and talk disrespectfully about her husband. There's nothing that will cause a man. What does the Bible say? It says, women submit to your husband. And then it says, and and let me just say, that doesn't mean women submit to men. It's talking about in the marriage relationship of mutual submission. And, you know, wives submit to your husband, not to men. That's been taken out of context. But then it goes on to say, and men, love your husbands, love your wives, and it says, and don't treat them harshly. But you know what that actually means in the Greek? It means don't allow yourself to become bitter towards them. I'm going to tell you, I've seen more men who are bitter and have given up on their marriages, and here's the reason why. Because their wives, when they get together with another couple or they go anywhere, their wives disrespect and dishonor them and talk about how they don't take out the trash and they're never at church and they do all of this wrong, and then they wonder why their husbands are bitter and they wonder why they don't have a healthy, loving relationship. And it's not because they don't serve the mission of the house, you know, with helping with the kids or doing this, or maybe they're working and the husband's staying at home, but they're doing all of that, and then they wonder why they still have a bad marriage. It's because men need respect. You see, part of what submission is about, it's understanding what is the mission of the person you've placed in my life. Because what we're called to do is serve each other's 
mission, to submit, to bring our mission under the mission of somebody else so that we can help serve their mission. I, I love the story about a, uh, there was this woman who had a husband who was just a tyrant and he demanded that his wife conform to all these rigid standards he, he gave her lists that she had to do as a wife, as a mother, as a homemaker. It was a more traditional uh, family from the past. She came to the point where she hated her husband as much as she hated those lists that he gave her. Then one day he died, mercifully as far as she was concerned. Later she fell in love with another man and married him. And they lived in this perpetual honeymoon for years. Her new husband was committed to her and her interests and joyfully she devoted herself to their happiness and welfare. And then one day after she'd been married to this new man for several years, she found one of those lists that her first husband had given her and she hated so much. And to her amazement, she had found that she was doing everything on that list for her second husband. And she was doing it with joy. The point I want to make from this story is that could it be the reason that we don't have a happy home is because we are serving our own mission rather than realizing that God has called us to serve the mission of that whom God has given us. That, that we're focused on what we want in our own needs instead of realizing that what submission is is saying, not my kingdom come, but your will be done. Serving the mission, saying I'm going to meet the needs of the people that are placed in my life with a spirit of authority and accountability. Y'all with me, say amen. amen. So, God says change your perspective about relationships. It's the first one, this idea of submission affects husbands and wives. Let's talk about the next one we see as we continue in, in uh, Colossians. And obviously, I don't have time to teach on marriage today. I'm just touching on these passages. Let's go on to Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. The second relationship is this. It's not just husbands and wives, but it's children and parents. That's the next relationship we see in Colossians. And here's what it says. Now remember, we're getting a godly perspective of submission. Look what it says in Colossians 3.20. It says, children, what's the next word? Always. What's that word? Always. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, or they will become discouraged. Now, before you get all excited, mom and dad, because your kids are sitting in service with you. <laughs> Don't forget that you're still a child. And that many of us still have parents. What does the scripture say? Children submit or obey your parents. Now there's a little difference between obey and submit as we look in the Greek. I'm going to read to you what this word. It's a, a similar word to, to submission, but it means to be to hear under, to listen attentively, to heed or conform to a command or authority, to be obedient, to obey. But the idea of this verse isn't just to do what you're told to do. It's to listen. It's to pay attention. It's to understand when you're given instruction. I think this is important because as parents, we need to understand the power of that. And as children, we need to understand the power of it. You know, how many of you have ever been somewhere where parents don't seem to take that calling or that responsibility of discipline um, very aggressively with their kids? Maybe you've been in a restaurant and here's what you hear as noise is really loud in the booth next to you and you keep hearing, now, you better sit down or you're going to get a time out. How many know what I'm talking about? 
I told you if I tell you again, you're going to have a timeout. You know what? You're going to get a timeout. If you don't stop, I'm going to count to five. And if I count to five, you're going to get a timeout. I mean, I'm talking about one. You know what? Do you want to get in trouble? I'm going to go to two. And if I go to two, you're going to get a timeout. Or if I get... Can I tell you something? I've looked in the Bible and I've discovered timeout is nowhere in the Bible. You read the Bible about discipline, never once do you hear timeout. Okay, thank you, Mr. Spock, but I'm telling you, it's not in the Bible. In fact, here's the phrase that we all think, or we have all heard, or we've all said. And it's simply this. You've heard it. Ready? Spare the rod. Try it again. Spare the rod. Can I tell you that's not biblical? That's not what the Bible says. Spare the rod, spoil the child. This is why it doesn't say that, because here's where we all are. All of us think a little bit of spoiling isn't bad. We've got to spoil our kids a little bit. Can I read to you what the scripture actually says? Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline, what's the next word? Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 14 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. I want to tell you that there are a lot of people in our culture today because of people like Dr. Spock. Now let me just say there's nothing wrong with a timeout. There's nothing wrong with different forms of discipline. But let me tell you something. The bottom line is that God says that you and I as parents have a responsibility. And here's that responsibility. To teach our children the 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 principle of submission. Because there's a lot of people who are still sitting in this room today and because your parents didn't teach you to obey, didn't help you to listen and understand, you know what's happening now? You're going from job to job to job, from relationship to relationship from relationship, and here's why. Because rebellion has never been driven out of your heart. That's why we have to take it seriously that we have consequences. Now, I'm not talking about beating, you know, beating your child. I'm not talking about you know, disciplining in, you know, in anger. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about doing it in a, in a healthy way, an appropriate way. And obviously, there's age appropriateness. But the bottom line is simply this. What the scripture is telling us is that even in the home, kids need to learn submission. It needs to be in the marriage. It needs to be in the home. And here's the reason why. Because you and I will never fulfill God's purpose in our life if we don't learn how to submit. Because this whole passage is simply saying everybody submits to somebody. But there's a lot of parents right now. There's a lot of parents right now that are not living up to their potential. And the reason is, is because you still have rebellion in your heart. It's never been driven out by discipline. I remember one of my children had uh, done something they shouldn't do. They stole money from their mother's wallet and went to school and bought all kinds of friends. So we found out about it and we dealt with it and disciplined them and, you know, and, and then a few months later, we found out it happened again. And when I found out it happened again, I was not a happy camper. 
So I get in the car, the child gets in the car, and I start kind of laying into him. I'm like, what do you think you're doing? Don't you understand? I'm like, what do you have to say for yourself? And then this is what came out of their mouth. They're like, I know, I'm sorry. If I keep doing this, I'm going to go to jail. And then I remembered in the first conversation how I talked about, you know, if you steal and you get older and that happens, you could get arrested and you go, and I realized, here's what I realized. I realized that they hadn't really listened to the discipline. All they heard was jail. And so I began to talk to them about, hey, listen, stealing or taking something's about trust. It's about disrespecting the people who are in your life. It's about making, I mean, began to try to help them to listen, to understand. And then, of course, there was discipline. But here's the thing. That listening and that discipline is meant for a purpose. It's because God loves his children. You love your child, so you want to drive rebellion. You want to drive that unsubmissive spirit out of their heart. Why? Because you know if you don't, they're not going to respect their boss and they're not going to submit to their boss. They're not going to submit in a relationship that's a a, a marriage relationship. They're not going to submit, whatever it is in life, they're going to struggle for the rest of their life because rebellion is still hiding in their heart. And I want you to understand that we've got to understand that God is telling us that we have to be people who have allowed God, who have allowed relationships in our life that drive rebellion away because I don't know about you, I don't want to live with rebellion. You know why? Because the Bible says rebellion is as of witchcraft. And I want to tell you, you'll never be propped up to live God's best as long as rebellion and witchcraft are permeating your heart and your spirit. I I know that's a tough one. I know it's a tough one. Everybody say amen. Everybody say oh me. All right. Submission. Parents, Let me just say, not only are children supposed to obey their parents, but the Bible says also that we're not supposed to discourage our children. We're to discipline, not discourage. Can I just tell you real quickly how you can discourage your children? I'll give you three three things and we'll move on. It's simply this. Number one, one way to discourage your kids when you're trying to discipline them is write this down. Number one, neglect. Have you ever had that child that, that's running around doing goofy stuff or getting in your face and doing stuff? You know what that could be a hint, parent? It could be a hint not that they're goofy. It could be a hint that they need attention. And neglect, you know what happened to Absalom because his father neglected Absalom? Absalom was rebellious and took away the kingdom from his father. You know another way to discourage our kids? Criticism. Constant criticism. It'll discourage your children. Another thing is lack of clarity. It'll frustrate and discourage your kids. We give them, you know, we give them guidelines and boundaries, but we don't really make them very clear. You're supposed to clean your room. I, I know I was supposed to, I haven't got it done yet. Oh, that's it, you're done. You're never going to see your friends again for the rest of your life. Maybe instead of saying clean your room, you need to say, this room has to be cleaned by two o'clock today, and if it's not, you're not going to see your friends for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm going to just end this idea because I don't have much time to develop it, but let me just simply say this. Husbands and wives, children and parents, God is building 
a heavenly perspective of submission because he's, he's moving away rebellion. He's driving it out of our hearts. And here's one of the reasons why. You ready? Because when we surrender to his submissive process in our life, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you and you will have a long life on earth. How many want to claim those promises? Amen? Listen, you can't claim that promise if you don't walk in submission because rebellion is still in your heart. Somebody say amen. Now I want to give you the next one and I'm just going to touch on it and move on and we're going to bring this thing to a close. We're going to land the plane. Husbands and wives, children and parents. Thirdly, slaves and masters. Or we could, for a modern definition, say employees and employers. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 through verses 4, 1 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them at all times, not just when, you are watch- or when they are watching you, Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. When you read this, I'm just going to point this out. Number one, it's simply this. Your boss is not your boss because your boss has a boss and his name is God. So when you're honoring and you're submitting to your boss, guess who you're really submitting to? And here's what's interesting. Guess who's paying attention to what you're doing at your cubicle? See, we have to learn this in every, we we learn it in the home, we learn it in the marketplace, we learn it on the job. You see, all of us are called to be people of submission. Now, here's the question that I want to really ask that we're going to get to as we land this plane, and that is, is submission really that important? Is surrendering my mission under delegated authority to someone else's mission really that important? Well, I want to tell you it is. In fact, let's end this passage. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says this. It's talking about the, the I mean, it's talking about the work relationship. But if you, if you look at it, it's really context of the entire passage about submission. Husbands and wives, parents and kids uh, in the workplace. And then it goes on to say this. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember, now look at this. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done for the Lord has no favorites. You know what this whole passage is simply saying? You know what God is saying as we're changing our mindset about submission? It's simply this. Everyone has to submit to someone. Everyone has to bring their submission or their mission under someone. And here's why. Here's why submission is so important. Number one, because, you ready? Write this down. Your blessing depends on it. Why does God want us to change our understanding of submission? Because our blessing depends on it. We just read it a moment ago, right? He said he will reward you with an inheritance when you walk in submission. In fact, I'm going to say a statement that I I think is pretty powerful, and it's simply this. You want to write it down. You'll never fulfill God's mission for your life if you won't bring that mission under someone. 
Think about that for a minute. You'll never fulfill your mission for your life if you won't bring that mission under someone. You know what it reminds me of? A verse that's kind of been a theme verse in my life. It's Luke chapter 16, verse 12, and here's what it says. It says, He who is not faithful to another man, another man's, who will give him his own? In other words, if you can't bring your mission and serve the needs of somebody else's mission, you won't see your own mission fulfilled. In fact, I'm going to give you this quote. The fastest way to fulfill your mission is submission. See, your blessing depends on it. Let me show you another reason why submission is important. We're going to end with this. I want the worship team to come. Not only is your blessing dependent on submission, here's the second thing. Your victory depends on it. I'm going to read a verse to you. It's found in James 4, 7, and here's simply what it says. Therefore, what's the next word? Therefore, submit to God. Now, let's stop right there for a minute. When it says submit to God, how do we demonstrate submitting to God? Well, obviously, surrender in our life, asking him to be the, 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 the Savior and Lord of our life, right? To say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But how do we demonstrate that submission besides just going to church and, you know, serving in his kingdom? How about we do what he said in the verses leading up to um, the end of Colossians chapter 3 when it says, you're serving him by serving your boss, So submitting to God is submitting to spiritual authority. It's bringing your mission under those who have been called to authority in your life. It says, therefore, submit to God. Now look what it says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Could it be the reason you keep rebuking the devil and he doesn't leave and you keep struggling with bondage and brokenness and pain and you can't get victory? It's because not that you haven't memorized the right verses or you haven't prayed hard enough. It's because there's still rebellion in your heart and you've never been willing to truly submit because the key to victory and the key to blessing is that we learn the key to fulfilling our mission is to learn to have a heavenly perspective of submission. I want to tell you that this room right now with the, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people here and the people that are joining us all over the world and the thousands of people that are here at Higher Vision, the the thousands of people that have accepted Christ over the last 10 years, all of this incredible blessing that God has given, you know why this reward is here right now? It's because 12 or 13 years ago, I got in a situation where I didn't want to submit. And God got a hold of my heart. And instead of leaving the church I was at because of the things that had happened, instead of saying, I'm going to do my own thing, because of things I thought were done wrong, I could have gone off and said, forget that. I'm not going to submit to that. I'm going to do my own thing. But you know what? God spoke to my heart and he said, you go back, you submit. And you know what I did? I submitted. I brought my mission under someone else. I was faithful to someone else's mission. And you know when I did that? It was after that that God put all the things in place to allow me to experience and allow us to experience this inheritance of this wonderful vision and church family that he's given us, the lives that have been changed. Why? Because the fastest way to fulfill your mission is to be a person of submission.